Welcome to the Ad Proficiency Podcast, presented by NerdJam.net. Whether you're a new player or veteran dungeon master, we're here to help you add depth to your game. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Ad Proficiency. This is just a quick primer. We are about to start our toolkit series, and this is here just to give you a little bit of information that we feel you should know before moving in on which toolkit you have proficiency in. We're organizing this series in such a way that if you have this toolkit, you can just click right on that podcast and listen to it so that you know everything about your toolkit without having to listen to a bunch of irrelevant information. Before we begin, I'd like to point out that while Xanathar's Guide to Everything has canonized certain aspects of the toolkits, it came out after 5e was released, so for a long time players didn't have any rules as written options for toolkits at all, aside from being given proficiencies in the player's handbook. Even now, Xanathar's is just an optional supplement, so even though we reference it for people who don't own the book, most players are only using the player's handbook and Dungeon Master's Guide to run their game. The quote-unquote official component list functions and applications weren't a thing for a long time, and that's why we put such a heavy emphasis on coming up with your own flavors and utility. So, Eddie, why cover toolkits? Well, I feel like it's a topic that hasn't really been covered that much in depth by many other people, and it really gives a lot of downtime activity to the players Mm -hmm. and adds more depth than what you can do with your character when you're not actually, you know, delving that dungeon or instigating political intrigue. Yeah, there's almost no good toolkit content out of there. No no offense to anybody else, it's just that there aren't a lot of options presented to players, and I really feel like players aren't really encouraged to think that hard about toolkits. Like we had discussed in the Reflections episode, the game kind of just says, you have proficiency in this, there you go. And they kind of just leave you with that. So people don't really know how to use toolkits and aren't really given any framework for their use. A big part of what we're trying to do is teach players to use open-endedness. If skills answer the question of what can I do, then toolkits help answer the question of what can I make or produce. Tools can be thought of as niche skills, and toolkit proficiencies can be applied the same way, offering many different uses to the clever player. The range of crafting should be thought of as the difference between me picking up a hammer and thinking how hard could it be, and Sauron forging sentient rings that subjugate entire races and tilt the fate of the setting. Don't sell your imagination short just because the toolkits seem mundane at first glance. This is D&D. The less you give the game, the less the game gives you. So before we progress into this toolkit series, I am going to put out there the way my table handles downtime projects, crafting and using these toolkits. The concept is that crafting happens during long rests. To make an item or like do a thing with your toolkit, the DM determines the crafting DC and the number of successes required and any relevant costs. And then once per long rest, a player may choose to work on their projects. So your progress roll is basically just a d20 plus your toolkit. That's all it is. It's just a toolkit roll. If you succeed on that, then you have progressed on your project. And like the flavor of whatever that is could be depending on what the project is. But this reflects the characters working on stuff before retiring to relax. And it sets a comfortable pace for crafting. It's not instantaneous, but it's not months later. You can see the finish line even if it takes time. It makes items craftable anywhere within a few in-game days to within a few sessions. And bigger projects take longer, of course. This little system makes long rests more valuable and presents players with a choice of how they want to invest their rest to progress different projects. This choice invests players in the world by allowing them to customize what's going on for them outside of the action. 
I talked about in our reflections episode how when I looked at some of the bigger projects or even just like when it came to crafting magic items, some of them would cost crazy amounts of money and take like weeks of in-game time. At that point in-game, at least at the pace my game moves were like an in-game day might be a good hour and a half, two hours, yeah. you know? Weeks of in-game play is like multiple months of actual time for me, probably in real life. If you guys aren't going out every day, I would say that between game sessions could be extended lengths of time, four or five days a week, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This is your tinkerer just being like, I want to work on my stuff before I go to bed. Absolutely. Personal projects can greatly affect the game and add to player immersion because it gives players something to work toward and look forward to, and it gives players a sense of constant progress because they're rolling once per in-game day. And the things that toolkits can be used for can vary greatly as well. Of course you can make items, weapons, and armor, but you can also make buffs, debuffs, and consumables for combat, item or weapon modifications, things like more damage, higher DCs, new mechanics spell modifying artifacts, plot affecting items such as disguises, fake letters, deeds or documents, fake reproductions of jewelry or signets. You could perform repairs or offer services, build yourself a stronghold or fortifications, build vehicles like boats and wagons, build siege, long range or large weapons such as catapults, ballistas or mortars, and produce social or artistic creations, overhaul a society, make toys or gadgets, fine brews or spirits, fine art or jewelry, or tool-based performances such as playing a musical instrument. So you'll notice that as we get into this, I definitely feel that in a universe in which magic exists, enchantment or magical infusion into your work would be part of the natural skill progression in the mastery of a toolkit in that setting. You'll find that a lot of the master level projects we describe assume that magical interactions can take place during the more difficult projects, especially once you start getting into those higher, almost mythical levels of D&D. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you learned something new. Love Eddie, myself, or possibly both? Want more ad proficiency in your life? Give us a like and follow our playlist to stay up to date with the latest ad proficiency content and enhance your D&D. Hungry for more? I want more! Check out Real Mana Has Curves for Magic the Gathering draft reports, live streams, and ranked play. For live premium content premieres, beer chugging, and guitar shredding, check out our live broadcasts of Nerd Jam Now every Thursday night at 7pm Central on Facebook.com slash Nerd Jam TV. Your boy got them thick thighs.